hell are you supposed to be? Fear is a tool. They think I'm hiding in the shadows, but I am the shadows. Welcome into the fourth mother box. Holy shit. If you have not seen the Batman yet, what is your mental illness? What is your problem? I will pay you to go see this fucking movie. Get your ass up, you lazy prick, and go see it now. It is March 13th, 2022. Exactly two years since I've been working from home and they said it was only supposed to be two weeks. But also, it is one Michael Norat's birthday. So I want to make sure to publicly shout out to Mike. Happy birthday, Mike. Uh, he's been on the show a few times and he's a big, big fan and listener of the fourth mother box. So we got to throw it out to our the Midwest's favorite referee, Nubby Jones, the turtle. Uh, Michael Brennan, I think that's just one of his wrestling names. But anyway, welcome into the fourth mother box. I am your co-host, Tom Oakery, and joined always by a man who just spent the night with several, several dominatrix, um, some people into weird fetishes, and a mansion full of balloons. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Kyle Cosentino. Kyle, how the fuck are you today? What? Mansion filled with balloons? That's the best that you can come up with? Well, I, I mentioned fetishes, and I, rem- I that automatically piqued my memory of a Bob's Burgers episode where there were his uh, his wife's parents couldn't like find the spark again, and the father had like a secret balloon fetish where he liked women to sit and pop on balloons. So that's 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 kind of where that that took off. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't I don't know uh, know how to make any sense of that, but yeah, I'm 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 running on like maybe three or four hours of sleep here, so. Um, yeah, definitely a uh, shout out to those guys. That's my, my, one of my buddies, bachelor, uh, bachelor party. He's getting married next weekend. I will be there. And, uh, it was definitely a uh, shout out to Jake, who I just met when I was, uh, one of, one of his other buddies, he's into DC and star Wars. And we have a new fourth mother box member as, a, uh, as a result. Um, so fuck the winter. I, I fucking hate it. I want it to die right now. This is bullshit. So, uh, but I'm ready to talk about the movie that we've been waiting for for a very, very long time. And it's none other than The Batman. I'm oh, vengeance. Yes. One last thing. Uh, I want to give a shout out to M- Michael Anthony Norat, too, uh, for a happy birthday. If you see Mike Norat, throw a frosty right in his face. That's right. Throw several in his face. I know his mouth will be wide open uh, to take any free frosties. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Try him in the face. Um, he might be at the local Wendy's today, uh, celebrating his his thirty seventh birthday, I believe, if that's the truth. Mike's going to be forty before all of us, so that's kind of wild. Well, I after last night, I feel like I'm fifty. So. <laughs> Hanging out with male strippers will do that to you. But anyway, we let's 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 get into this important piece of 
both Kyle and I, you know, saw the Batman oh, a week and a day ago, a week from yesterday. We sat down in a great IMAX theater in Naperville, Illinois, and those three hours just flew the fuck by. They flew by um, after we got done with the 20-something fucking trailers that we got, um, which we've all seen before. Can we just stop with the trailers before movies? Everybody watches them online. Uh, and then and then also at the end, we got that trailer from DC calling this the year of the heroes. But we'll, we'll get to that after we talk about the Batman. But here we go. The Batman. Um, spoiler alert coming. We won't get into too, too, too many intricate details because I still want you guys to see this movie. But we're going to be all things the Batman, Robert Pattinson's Batman. So just fresh thoughts off the top of my head. Um, masterpiece. Robert Pattinson did better than I anticipated. And I learned from the criticism that I even gave to Ben Affleck when he was cast as Batman for Snyder's universe. Uh, he made me do a 180 after I saw Batman vs Superman, the Justice and, and Snyder's Justice League, and everything that goes along with it. So, with that, all that being said, I went into this with having really, really no expectations outside of knowing Robert Pattinson, you know, is a pretty, you know, well-respected actor amongst his peers. Uh, but this was great to see. This was a good range for him. It was really good to see. Um, I'm so happy that we got like. 90% of this movie was Batman and not Bruce Wayne. Whereas like movies like the dark Knight rises, we got so much Bruce Wayne and maybe eight minutes of Batman, like rivaling the T-Rex from Jurassic park. So, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Robert Pattinson, very, very, very nice job, sir. Um, you know, you're going to be up there talking in the talks with greatest Batman of all time when it's all said and done. Uh, and Zoe Kravitz, man, I think she stole the show for me, but we'll get into more detail about that. She embodies Catwoman and Selena Kyle in my eyes. Uh, a lot of people say Colin Farrell stole the show as a penguin, and you can make a great argument for that. You know, he was in the movie like a perfect amount of time, and he just really delivered a nice, fresh take on one of Gotham's most fearsome villains and crime lords. Uh, Shit. Like, I know I just said Zoe Kravitz may take it for me, but John Turturro as Carmine Falcone was just chef's fucking kiss. Like, he is the ideal actor to play that character. And, you know, he, he if you're a fan of Long Halloween or, or know anything about the Batman, you know his fate in the movie, essentially. But and then and then, of course, how could we not mention Paul Dano as the Riddler? Like some people are putting it up against Heath Ledger's Joker, and we're going to get into the Batman versus Dark Knight here in a second because I believe Kyle and I are going to go to war about this. But um, Paul Dano yes, was we such, are. yeah, and it's it, it was such a great take on one of my favorite Batman villains, probably second behind the Joker, just to see a more sadistic, a more brutal, a more extremist type of. And, and a very modern take on the villain and a modern take on the story, too. And, you know, I, I've said this on Jedi Talk, but my my wife, Courtney, I knew how good of a movie this was. And I knew how much she liked the movie because I she's the, notorious for long movies for getting up and using the restroom. But the fact that she never got up to leave, I knew we had something special on our hands. So, ah, so many, so many thoughts about it. The aesthetic of Gotham City. The story arc that Batman took from the start to finish, 
was just beautiful. Um, Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon was great. Um, everybody else we saw in the movie just felt like they fit in. The tone of this movie just spoke to my heart. You know, this is this is DC. This is Batman. This is the Batman. This is the tone that I wanted them to take with this movie. And you just had those subtle, subtle hints of, you know, levity here and there. Like when um, Jim Gordon busted Batman's chops for punching him when they had agreed to punch him. But he's like, you could have pulled back on it. And Batman said, I did. Um, or when they were in uh, when when Batman was picked up and taken into the police station uh, it's still in costume and they were all looking at him and, and kind of getting him around and he, he wakes up and then he gets into it with the officers and he hits one of them. And uh, I think the chief or somebody's like, I can get you on assaulting an officer and Batman clapped right back. He's like, you got me on three. So, um, man, you know, I could, I could talk forever on what I consider my initial thoughts, but, but Kyle, I want to hear, you know, after a week and a day of really soaking this movie in, what are your thoughts initial thoughts on the flick I had a lot of time to reflect and god there there is a lot to say and i feel like for me i always need to not only wait a week after seeing a batman movie but see it again because i always kind of tell the story of when i saw batman versus superman i remember feeling kind of depressed after after seeing it for the whole week and i wasn't sure what i really thought about it and you know then the next week, I'm just I just decided, you know, I'm going to see it one more time and I'm going to go to like a showing where there isn't a bunch of people and like it's not overcrowded or anything like that. And I felt a lot better about it. I think when they cast Ben Affleck as Batman, I was so upset like many years ago. I was like, this is the worst decision ever. And many people are probably in that in that uh, camp. However, I decided to give him a chance, and even after I saw him Batman vs. Superman, I was still kind of unsure, and it really wasn't, I don't know, I really didn't I feel like I came around to Ben Affleck until Zack Snyder's Justice League. I mean, he really had to grow on me, and I think sometimes it's, you know, what char- some characters call for, and I'm not just being a, a fanboy, because I'm going to definitely get into some of my criticisms of the Batman, but um, anyway, so seeing the Batman, let me just say, starting out, uh, some of the, the trailers were, were amazing. Um, I really liked the, the, like the posters that, that had come out. And I know maybe this is not big for some people, but like, there were so many great posters that come out. I just want to like decorate my walls in all the photography and posters from, from this film. Um, one of my favorite is it's like the red rain Batman where you just see the Batman and it's like, he's kind of like. You could tell it's raining, but it's all red and um, it doesn't say anything. It, you just see the Batman and his like Batman emblem is red. It's like one of my favorite. It's like one of my favorite Batman posters ever. And not only that, the music. And I say this and I can't believe they always fucking nail the music. They're, it's like the Metallica of uh, superhero, uh, you know, f- uh, films. Um, when they when they score a Batman soundtrack, they always nail it. I am always one hundred percent happy. And I and as I was listening to this song, or you know the you know the soundtrack on the way home, I was just thinking like I love man, I I can't get enough of that. And I I can't decide which one is my favorite. I just think I like I like the one you, you uh, primarily heard in Christopher Nolan's Batman. 
and I like this one. I mean, it was it's kind of dark and, and it's like really uplifting. And it really kind of when you see the film, you can kind of see why this song is the way it is, because the whole film is very dark and it's like there's almost no levity in it, like kind of Tom mentioned, with the exception of a few parts. And, you know, you kind of see at the end, you know, where you see a glimmer of hope and in this like really dark and gritty Gotham City that they, uh, Matt Reeves created. So coming coming back to the casting, I think everybody cast for this film was pretty amazing. I still honestly don't know how I feel about Robert Pattinson. I mean, I was initially kind of like shaking my head. I'm like, why would they cast Robert Pattinson? And I'm not saying that because I think he's a bad actor. I think he's a phenomenal actor. Um, but, you know, there's just a certain persona that comes along with the Dark Knight. And if you ask me what's my favorite version, who is the bar? I'll always say Kevin Conroy's Batman. And 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 uh, I think Rocksteady did it perfectly in Arkham Knight and the Arkham series, the video games. So this is this is who I see Batman as. And I think every Batman that comes out on live action, you, they're always a little bit different. And you, you never see kind of like that Kevin Conroy Batman. So. I kind of like that, too, because sometimes when you go to see a movie and you just see like a carbon copy of what you've seen, like in like the games or like the animated movies or comics, it's not always as interesting. And it's kind of like, you know, one of my props I gave to Uncharted because they respected some of the games. So you saw some stuff in the movie from the games, but it wasn't like a carbon copy from the stories. So, um yeah, I'm not. I'm still not sure about Robert Pattinson. He's he's not my favorite Batman for sure. I would put him as number three. Uh, you know, obviously Christian Bale's still my number one. Ben Affleck is number two, but that doesn't mean he won't ascend to number one. I think this is year this is year two for for this Batman. He is still growing. He's still trying to figure out where his place is is in in the society and world and kind of figuring out his past and his. I mean, I really feel like they nailed the trauma part of it. I mean, he is consumed by by his creation as the Batman. And I mean, they don't really touch upon his parents' death, which is pretty great. I mean, I think it's uh, it's heavily felt in the film. And, um, I you know, I think there's that part that I, I like that they did this, but I think that it was a little bit overcooked a bit. Um, there's... There's a lot I could say about this movie, and I don't think I think most people have probably seen it already. I mean, it's been over a week, so I don't think we're really, really going to spoil anything. So if you you haven't seen the movie, you you should probably go see it and then come back, come back to this episode, because I I plan on talking about some very specific scenes, uh, some specifics that like I really, really thought was well done and and some things that I was really craving that I feel like I didn't get. one more thing to mention about the casting. I think, uh, like I said, you know, I think the casting was excellent. I think probably the person who stole the show for me was Colin Farrell's Penguin. I mean, first of all, that's if he doesn't get an Oscar for that, for the person who did that prosthetics, they don't get an Oscar. I don't know what to think. I mean, even though the Oscars are kind of overblown trash, I still feel like that is a feat in itself. I mean, he is unrecognizable, even by some of the cast members. Um, I thought he did. He's kind of like the quintessential. That's that's the penguin that I want to see. John Turturro, when he was cast as Carmine Falcone, I was not sure about that. I was like, 
you know, I've seen him in a lot of uh, Adam Sandler movies and funny roles. Uh, but man, he fucking nailed that part. And even though he he got killed in the film, I was I was man, I was just craving more um, from him. So hopefully maybe he, that ends up being Clayface or something impersonating Carmine Falcone. Um, and so he can come back or and, and whatnot. But anyway, coming back to Catwoman, I know Tom is in love with this Catwoman. I think Zoe Kravitz did a great job. She is, she is, I mean, she's obviously like a great actress. She really played the role really well. I mean, this is like a quintessential comic book cat, Catwoman. Um, she's very, she's very pretty. She's very talented. Um, she moved like Catwoman. I think she didn't, there wasn't cheese there. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't like cheesy and overblown. It basically just makes you think like Anne Hathaway who. So I, I still feel like though, and Tom will heavily disagree with me that yep. Michelle Pfeiffer will always be my Catwoman, and only because that there were so many layers to her performance, and I've said this many oh, times. And on. with with this Catwoman, they're just you know it was kind of like I don't want to use the word forgettable, but I just don't feel like there was anything that stood out as opposed to when you saw Catwoman. I mean, if you notice, like with Batman villains, whenever there's a, a Batman villain, they fucking affect culture. They stand out. I mean, think about Heath Ledger's Joker or Harley Quinn or even Bane for that matter. I know some people don't like Tom Hardy's Bane, but you cannot deny that he didn't have an effect on our culture. I mean, there's one of my favorite videos on YouTube is of uh, Bane Cat, where they took this fat cat and they put him in a Bane mask. And then somebody dubbed over his, you know, did like a Bane voice impersonation over him. It was the funniest shit I've ever seen. And I've watched this video like 10 million times. So, um, you know, so anyway, so like, yeah, I mean, Batman villains tend to stand out in our culture. And that's why I always love DC, because they write villains like this. They write them so fucking good that they stand out. So I would say, like, if I, I, yeah, I had my favorite picks of, like, the villains, it would certainly be Penguin and Carmine Falcone. I think Paul Dano's Riddler did a good job, but I was kind of, like, not disappointed a little bit, but I was not, I was anticipating something more. I mean, I felt like he did a great job. I think he, he did, uh, you know, he was an interesting villain, but I think it's, I kind of felt like somebody we've seen before. I just can't put my finger on it. And there was a little bit of the Joker in his performance. I just kept thinking, like, wow, he he just feels like the Joker. Kind of like the criticisms that people gave um, Jesse Eisenberg when he he did the Lex Luthor. And and again, like, I'm not saying it was bad. It was, you know, it was fine. It was good. I liked it. And it was it was definitely a different take on the Gotham City. And I give Matt Reeves a lot of credit for, you know, here's a property that's so loved. And, you know, you're kind of tasked with trying to recreate it again. You know, that's really hard to do. And so, um, so yeah, I know, like, I have a lot of thoughts. I know Tom has a lot of thoughts about this. I'll, I'll give you, a, uh, Tom, I'll give, I'll give it back to you and kind of let you respond to probably some of the things that I've said that pissed you off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, real quick, John Turturro, I knew he was going to slay this role, just not by only his look. Because he's he's got that very Italian mobster drive to him, but I I one of the first things I saw him do was he played Billy Martin in the Bronx the the Bronx is burning. It was like a TV special that went over the success 
and the story of George Steinbrenner and Billy Martin, those Yankees of the 70s um, with um, Reggie Jackson. I know Lou Pinella was on that team. Um, so a lot of a lot of a lot of really, really cool um, just moments. And he 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 really nailed the role as Billy Martin. So I, I remember just remembering him from that. And you're right. He is in a lot of Adam, Adam Sandler kind of weird roles, too. But um, he slayed it. And that was and that was so good to see. So let's let's start. Can, I don't know where to fucking I, start. Yeah. Can I say one thing about Carmine Falcone? And one of the things, if you haven't seen the bit, well, obviously I gave this, this disclaimer, but if you want to kind of get a better understanding of this Carmine. Kyle, you cut out. Fucking technology. Kyle, I can't hear you. You might have to call back in. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this stupid motherfucking uh, technology upon us as we're 20 minutes into the fourth mother box. Uh, This is what happens when you have two podcast hosts that are in different cities, but it happens. It happens. I mean, we're we're, we're trying to get Kyle to move out to Florida. But what I think he was talking about, Carmen Falcone, uh, Carmine Falcone, is uh, primarily like if you aren't familiar with him, I'm sure he was going to tell you to watch or even um, read The Long Halloween. Uh, That's such a phenomenal story that involves him. You know, we got a little Carmine Falcone in... Like I was saying, like if you haven't, if you want to know more about Carmine Falcone, watch The Long Halloween. It is on HBO Max. It stars my favorite actors is Jensen Ackles as he voices the Dark Knight. But it really gets into, um, you know, this this story is a lot like the Batman in a way, where it's it's not focused on like raw brutality, but more on like a detective story. And I could definitely see its influence in in the Batman. So there's a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah, I'm right there with you, and that, and that's what I anticipated that you were going to say. So, yeah, let's let's um and to retort some of the things that you said, and just to you know just to have a good healthy discussion about it without making you cry. But let's start with Zoe Kravitz, Catwoman, and Michelle Pfeiffer. I, I, first off, you and I, and I think most agree that Anne Hathaway was a as yep. Selena Kyle. Yeah, she just didn't like. I feel like she was just put into the role and like they didn't really develop her character very much, which which is a shame. Not saying and I don't I've never seen something with Anne Hathaway where I was like, wow, she's really horrible. And I don't think she was horrible as as Catwoman. I just think that there was like she was for, forgettable. And, Selena and role, Kyle like, really, cannot. Yeah, really Selena powerful. Kyle cannot be the girl next door. And that's what Anne Hathaway is. That's that's who she plays. So Selena Kyle can't be that girl next door. You, you know, the biggest the biggest problem with the Dark Knight Rises is that they they completely forget about, you know, one of the greatest on-screen jokers we've ever seen. Like, and I get there's like an, you know, he passed away and everything, but I just don't understand why the choice was, well, Heath Ledger passed away and it's horrible and everybody feels sad about it. So let's forget about his character entirely. Like that was the biggest crime of that movie. You should have you should have paid an homage to the character. They should have said something to the effect of the Joker escaped or he, or he like died or something like that. And then instead of having, you know, forgettable Catwoman, you could have had like a Harley Quinn that's 
you know, like a super fan of the Joker, you know, maybe she connects with Bane. You know, you know what I mean? That would have been, I think, more of an interesting story than, I don't know, than forgettable Catwoman. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would have been even cool. Actually, I and I thought that that's where they were going with like a Harley Quinn, you know, being like a Dr. Harley Quinzel. You know, you could have even worked that into... I mean, you didn't have to recast the Joker, but you never had to show his face. You could have shown him sitting with an actress who was playing Harley Quinn at that time. And But yeah, I don't want to get off the beaten path of what should have, because we're going to get into the Dark Knight in Nolan's universe. But Catwoman. So yeah, Anna Hathaway sucks. And then we're, we're talking Zoe Kravitz versus Michelle Pfeiffer. Now, now I don't want to say I dislike Michelle Pfeiffer's version. It's definitely way ahead of Hathaway. And it's perfect for Tim Burton's Batman. And she's got everything that you want in Catwoman with the sex appeal, with the just, you know, the 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 whips. And, and I think if I remember correctly, I've seen this video flo- floating around. But Michelle Pfeiffer with like, you know, little training of how to basically use a whip. Like when um, I think she's knocking things down in the Batman Returns with the whip, um, they showed like a behind the scenes to that. And on her first take, she knocked everything down without even trying. So it was kudos to her. She definitely is a great actress and she did a great job in the role. I just think there were things to be, you know, left. There were things left on the table with that catwoman. Do do you have you gone back and watched Batman Returns recently? Uh, like defined recently, well, like within the past three years. What was the yes. last? When was the last time you've seen it? Like probably three years ago. Because you know what? If if I hadn't watched it recently, like, and I haven't watched it like you know like a couple weeks ago, I watched it maybe like a year ago or something like that. Okay. If I didn't, if I didn't watch it, I would be like, okay, Zoe Kravitz is Catwoman, and she's like the best on-screen Catwoman we've, we've seen. But when I watched back, when I went back and watched. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer's performance there's just again it's a layered performance it is not like a stock performance of Catwoman she put a lot into that role and she acted the shit out of it so um, that's I always can appreciate like really good acting and I feel like a really good actor can sell their performance by you know me leaving something that's memorable that's why you know Heath Ledger's was so memorable I mean I mean, I think Joaquin Phoenix Joker was really memorable. I'm almost, you feel like you can't, you almost can't like, I mean, you could compare them, but like they always kind of stand on their own. So, but anyway, uh, again, like, you know, I think if you go back and, and watch that, you, you kind of see like the subtleties of her performance. Yeah. And, and I, I, I'm sure Batman and Batman Returns are, are do a rewatch, especially before Keaton debuts in the DCEU later this year or I next will- year. I will say this though. Um, Zoe Kravitz, she looks more like a catwoman, a catwoman. You know what I mean? Yeah, she does. Her look kind of feels like more of you know, like a comic book catwoman. Because Michelle Pfeiffer, Michelle Pfeiffer was blonde, whereas Catwoman in the comics is, you know, obviously dark hair. Mm-hmm. And she had she had the proper haircut, in my opinion. Uh Zoe Kravitz did versus Michelle Pfeiffer. But anyway, so um, oh, sorry. One more thing about Catwoman. I, I have to say this because I thought this was so amazing and hilarious. But um, all the like they really played up the cat, the cat theme in the well, not her costume. Obviously, she didn't really have a costume per se. But like, I like how she had all the cats in in the film. That was like one of my favorite parts. 
It's like, uh, you know, with um, Batman has these contacts where you put them in and it's like a video records and she's trying to get in touch with Batman and you see the cat like sniffing it and like looking at it and kind of like batting it a little bit. So one of my favorite parts. I So anyway. Yeah, no, no. Again, that's that's one of the reasons why she's a better Catwoman than Pfeiffer's Catwoman. So, uh, but yeah, I, I should rewatch those. I actually this week, I when I got home really fucking early slash late from my flight from Chicago, I watched The Dark Knight after I snuck in a few hours of sleep, just so I can really compare the two and be fresh with just seeing the Batman and watching The Dark Knight, so I can see. And I've seen The Dark Knight quite a bit. I've watched that movie quite often because it's a fucking awesome. I can call that a masterpiece too. You know, minus a few things I have a problem with it, but it's it's a quite a masterpiece when it comes to being a movie. So next to that being, you know, fresh in my mind with the Batman, I made comparisons there, but I'll still do my due diligence to go back and watch those two based on your comments. But I still think I'm going to come out saying Zoe Kravitz is my preferred Catwoman. And I wholeheartedly think she's better. She is ripped right off of the comic books. And I always look firmly into that. And I respect different takes on the character, but Zoe Kravitz, she lived in, I mean, same with Michelle Pfeiffer, but she lived in a modern, real shitty type of apartment. She had a, she had a, a, a roommate. She had the cats, you know, struggling with bills. You know, you don't forget Selena Kyle's not rich, right? She, she's, she's a cat burglar. She, she steals for a living. That's, that's, that's her thing. Um, and she worked, you know, nights in the iceberg lounge in the, uh, so anyway, um, moving along from there, you know, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer's, I, I just, and I'm not taking away the acting performance, just this, to me, it's not as Catwoman as it should be. Her, She was a secretary for Christopher Walken's character. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. And he was evil. And, you know, how she turns into Catwoman is very, that's, that's, you gotta. Well, here, here's what I would It's kind of cheesy, though. Let me charge you with this. Go back and rewatch it. And then try to keep an open mind. Like, I know there's recency bias, which we both have. But go back and rewatch it and then then tell me and kind of look, watch your performance and then come back and we'll talk more about Catwoman. All right. All right. That's fine. I just let me just finish by saying, like, I don't like her secretary who's a seamstress and like we never see her really. I mean, I mean, she takes Batman on and she fights and like like the nine lives thing. I get it. It just ah, to me is, is aesthetic wise. Zoe Kravitz's character, but but we could we could save that for for definitely another blow and another fist fight. But um, yeah, you know your 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 comments about Paul Dano and and the Riddler, you know I can get that. You know I see that I see what you mean with Joker comparisons. I I'd be lying if I say I said I didn't notice it too. But um, those things specifically, you know it's it's hard, especially with villains, right? With like psychopathic villains, and you know the Joker's on the on top of the mountain he's he's on you know top of the mountain and and it's it's tough to be real close to him as far as like psychopathic villains so when you're going to get modern takes on these characters like we got like from the riddler he's he's essentially a a extremist one way or the other he's an extremist who puts together like a, a an army on 4chan uh to take down the corrupt politicians and you fuck you can make a lot of fucking comparisons to the real world real world, sh- real world shit going on right now especially when the likes of the catwomans and the and the the you know crime bosses and and the corruption and police offices and just politics being politics and there's more to uncover um 
your your mention about the Wayne family, you know, their their murder not being at the forefront. Um, I think again, I'm I'm glad we didn't get Bruce Wayne's parents death again. I thought, you know, uh, Zach did it perfectly in Batman vs Superman, and I think we don't need to see it for a while. Uh, but then, you know, yeah, the, there's no really beating that scene. Yeah, yeah, and then there's there's you know the the Martha Wayne, and you're gonna have to remind me. Is that is the Martha Wayne being nuts canon to the 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 killing or the the uh, long Halloween or was no. that? Yeah. OK, I thought so. At least um, at least, you know, because I, I watched the film, but I also read the comic many like a couple years ago. It's okay. not it's not something that I remember. But, you know, when in the movie, when they talked about that, I'm like, are we getting like a Martha Wayne Joker? Oh, like, man. I, I don't know if I. <laughs> Cause I was like, holy shit, that would be fucking insane. Oh man. Um, anyway, fucking yeah. flashpoint. Yeah. For those unaware and you never know, Kyle, they might do it in the flash movie with those reshoots. But for those unaware the flashpoint paradox, um, it's, it's the reverse flash causes Barry to be in a different timeline. And in that timeline, Thomas Wayne is Batman because Bruce got killed and Martha Wayne turned into the Joker. It's fucking nuts. Just, just check it out. It's, it's, it's crazy. So, um, yeah, but the Wayne family. So I, I, I thought it was like kind of ah, again, again. And I'd, I'd like to hear what you hear on this because it was like, you know, they're like modern day parents, right? Like they they died in 2001. And, and I see the joke out there that says, you know, given, you know, Bruce's age in the movie and how many how many years ago their death happened. It's very plausible that uh bruce's parents were taking him to see shrek because it was in 2001 so he they could have died they could have died in the alleyway of of after seeing shrek <laughs> so anyway um bruce has the, like a shrek shirt on yeah 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 he's just like yay and he's got like a shrek balloon and um and then his parents are dead and he's standing over them with a shrek balloon and they're bleeding oh that was dark um but anyway this movie was dark I liked the, you know, modern kind of like mental health issues. You know, they shined a light on it. Martha Wayne had some problems. They were trying to hide it because they were being political figures and Thomas Wayne was running for mayor. So uh, just kind of getting like a real world grasp. And I know this is what Nolan did. You know, he, he put a grounded approach to it. But so did Matt Reeves, Batman, and put a grounded approach. And people have been talking. Can Superman show up here? Could he fit there? From what we've seen this far. I can't envision that. And you even said maybe it's Clayface is, is Carmine Falcone. I, I don't know if Clayface could work in a world like this unless they see, tweak the character a little bit. See, that's what I was wondering. You know, the entire film is like, is this going to be a another real world Batman like Christopher Nolan did? Or are we going to get something, you know, kind of more traditional? And I, I my vote would be traditional because we haven't seen that yet. I mean, we haven't seen, I'm trying to think of like a Batman movie. I don't think we've really seen a Batman movie. I don't think we have uh, off the top of my head where you, you had like somebody with meta powers. Right? Well, I, mean, I don't, I don't include Batman uh, and Robin or, or um, Batman Forever. I don't, I just don't include those movies and I never will because that just, they're not Batman to me. But you could you could say Zack Snyder's Justice League. I mean, he's with well, um, yeah, I mean, I think, 
true, but the, you know, we never got like a like a Batman world. You know what I mean? Like a Batman verse. Mm-hmm. Like you know, oh, like just just like a standalone, ba- yeah, like a standalone Batman movie against uh, like Clayface or against um, Rachel Ghoul. But but when 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 Rachel Ghoul is really immortal and has been alive for several hundred years, so yeah. You know, my sense is that they're, I don't know, I feel like my sense is that they're going to go real world, which is not, not bad, but I don't know. I mean, but then, you know, Matt Reeves did talk about, like, could a Superman fit in this world? And maybe it is possible. Mm -hmm. You never know. I mean, everything's possible. Look look at what Star Wars is doing. You you never know what might happen. So, yeah, lots of, yeah, lots of what you said there, I think if you can make some healthy comparisons to you know nolan's universe and reeves's universe and reeves has got one movie versus nolan has three right he's already got nolan's already got the better trilogy because reeves's batman only has one and there's a lot of talk about the spoiler you know they have the uh the rid that riddler website that was out after the the movie came out there was a scene at the very 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 end after the credits that gave away the website and people decoded it and it's basically you know setting up a sequel things are not done yet um there was a bunch of comic dates released in that message that were like the first appearance of batman the first appearance of the joker the first appearance of um uh, catwoman the first appearance of the penguin the first appearance of the riddler and then there was one in there the first appearance of two-face so you know, this movie sets Two-Face up, Kyle. Uh, the district attorney dies. Um, he's the one in that church scene that they released. Uh, he's, he's the one that dies with that Riddler neck bomb, very you know, reminiscent of Arkham Asylum video games when you yeah. run into the Riddler yeah, in Arkham City. Yeah, so that I, was really cool to see. I would hope Paul Dano's Riddler, they take a cue from that and kind of use more of that because that scene was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't forget these. This is the these are the origin stories of his rogues villains. Matt Reeves said that he said this movie is somewhat of an origin story for these villains. You know they're young just like Batman is young. So I'm just gonna slide right into that final scene. You know that second to last scene. So the Riddler was in Arkham in his cell. You know being very Riddler like, and we get a voice and we get a silhouette from another cell that's very kind of obviously the joker and it was, it was confirmed yeah yeah but but in the movie at the time you're you're thinking it's the joker but you're also like who could it be but you know you know it, it could be anybody it's but it's the joker in his infancy right uh man it'll be it, i i thought we might get a little bit of the red hood gang in the batman we you know we got a mention of hush you know we we we, we saw it we saw the word and then you know um, Edward Elliott, to, uh, Tommy Elliott's father was in the, in the movie mentioned in the movie. Um, so yeah, that, that, what did you think about that scene at the end with that Joker? Um, uh, because I, I've heard some people not wanting the Joker in this universe and I just cannot see a Batman, you know, trilogy with not at least involving the Joker one way or another. You know, I feel like it's going to be hard to make him stand out. Uh, or balance him out with like the Riddler because the Riddler had features of the Joker, or, like characteristics like the Joker. Um, so Barry Keoghan, if I'm saying his last name right, I mean I think he's got a big some big shoes to fill because you have some epic, epic fucking Joker performance. You have Jack Nicholson's Joker, Heath Ledger's Joker. Um, you know, then you have Jared Leto's Joker when you look at 
Batman vs Superman, and obviously Joaquin Phoenix, all brought great, you know, on-screen appearances to this character. I can't even begin to imagine, like, could you imagine, like, if you were a successful actor and somebody approached you right now and said, hey, Tom, you want to be the Joker? You got to create a new innovative performance for him. Like, how the fuck would you even respond to that? I mean, uh, yeah, especially that, with your love of the character. I mean, that would be so hard to do. That would be so very, very, very difficult. Um, that's that's a fun, actually, <laughs> little project and challenge to work on to actually think about. And like, how the fuck would I portray the fucking... Especially, you know what? Like, especially because two Jokers got a fucking Oscar. And yeah. even more so, there is no other superhero movies, nobody else in a superhero movie that has gotten an Oscar for their performance ever so because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know how superheroes movies are usually snubbed and yes why the oscars are trash but anyway it, but yeah, yeah that's it is what it is that uh you know i know matt reeves kind of talked about it. he's like that scene is kind of reminiscent of the killing joke or this is kind of influenced by the killing joke where batman comes in and in like you know um, where he sits down with him and he's like playing chess and then he has a conversation with the Joker and then he realizes it's, it's not him. So he's like, that scene is very influenced by that scene in the killing Joker. That's what he has, you know, picture in his mind. But he's like, I, this doesn't mean that he is going to be in the second film. Now right. that's the big, biggest gun. And I feel like, you know, we, we kind of missed out on Heath Ledger's Joker cause we only got one film. And, you know, kind of thinking about it, like we really, I mean, Jared Leto was snubbed from Suicide Squad and then he was in Zack Snyder's Justice League for two minutes. So then again, thinking about it, I'm like, well, obviously the Joker standalone movie, but, you know, we've, I I don't know, we haven't really had a Joker, you know, a a proper Joker in a movie in a long time. So maybe it might be not bad to, to put him in there. You mean just like in a grander bat universe? I don't know. I mean, Snyder well, cut like in, he... a, in, you know, like in a, like, you know, with him and Batman together, because we haven't seen that since 2008. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose. I mean, we still had the, the, the presence of the Joker and Batman versus Superman, obviously in Snyder cut, which is justice league canon. Um, he's at the end in Bruce's nightmare, but, but no, no, I see what you're saying. Right. There hasn't been like a full on story with that. Um, I think if they're going to get the Joker involved, you got to save it to that third flick of the trilogy. Um, if, if you shoe him into the second and, and when I mean shoe him in, just like put him as the main villain, it, it's too many obvious comparisons to the Nolan trilogy. You save him to the end, but you have him being a puppet master in the background of all these, the, the rogues gallery, right? You know, Matt Hatter's still out there. We're, we're, probably going to get a better Dr. Freeze, Victor Freeze take on a character. You know, is Robin, Dick Grayson, or even Jason Todd going to come into this universe? Jason Todd would have a much better fit into Reeves' universe than Dick Grayson would because Jason Todd is, is you know, got some things about him that's very anger-driven and dark until he gets beaten to a bloody pulp by the Joker. You know, you could add under the Red Hood elements into this universe too. Maybe not putting the Lazarus pit in, but... Um, if, if, if you don't have any more thoughts on that, Kyle, you know, in, in the interest of time, I kind of want to lean into the Dark Knight versus the Batman comparisons. So there's, I'll, I'm just going to. Yeah, go ahead. There's a couple other things. OK, we can actually talk about that and I can include some some of the other th- my some of my other thoughts about the Batman versus sure. the Dark Knight. Um, 
one of my big criticisms of Robert Pattinson's Batman is that, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And I felt like, you know, I get that this is his starting years. Um, and he's not fully like, you know, Batman yet, you know, he's not, you know, the true form of Batman, but I just felt like some, you know, some parts of this Batman just didn't feel like Batman to me in, in the sense of like, when I was watching it, I just feel like, I'm like, what is this missing? What is this missing? And I almost couldn't put my finger on it. And I was like thinking about it, like what makes this different from a guy just dressing up in a Batman suit, beating up thugs versus you know, the symbol. And I feel like that's the part of it that they didn't really highlight as much. Batman uses fear to uh, terrify villains and, and effectively like, you know, protect Gotham. And I feel like that, that that wasn't played up enough. And maybe maybe Matt Reeves is kind of like building up towards that. And again, like, I think if we look at maybe the second and third movie, this will like really make the first one you appreciate it ever so much more. So uh, you know, again, I'm I'm going to be open to like changing my mind about this, but I don't feel like there was a lot of truly Batman scenes. And, and, and in particular, you know, if you watch The Dark Knight or, you know, Batman Begins, the scenes that I'm talking about, whereas, you know, where he he does like very core to Batman things. So like you think about like the warehouse scene in Batman Begins where he just takes out a he's like. You don't see him. He's just taking out criminals left and right, and he's he's terrifying everybody. Kind of like you see in Arkham, uh, you know, in the Arkham series, and the warehouse scene in uh, the other warehouse scene in Batman v Superman, which which, which is the superior warehouse scene. If we're gonna do that, and you, you um, can't say it's not. Oh yeah, yeah, because that's if 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 uh, we were saying like true form to Batman, that's it for me. The uh, warehouse scene in Batman v versus Superman. So we didn't, I felt like we didn't get a lot of that. Like you just, um, you, you know, like even in the beginning where you see Batman show up, you just hear him walking down in a hallway and that's fine. Cause that was kind of cool and unique, but you know, my favorite version of Batman and, and the dark Knight did this so beautifully or in like the Nolan series did this so beautifully is like the lights go out and then people start the criminals start shit in their pants and then you, you you cue in like the the music with that it was just so well done oh my god i miss that i miss that so much in this in this film the only time that i saw like true a true batman scene in this film was the car scene chase oh my god that was the best scene of the fucking film because uh, you know you, you're wondering like the whole film like where is the batmobile and then you see it, it just fucking lights up and he starts revving the engine and he starts chasing Penguin and he's like hopping over shit, shit's blowing up. And it's, it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. And I, I get, I, you're probably, you're probably going to, I'm going to get some pushback on this, but, um, that's, that's true. Batman, Batman is, you know, he makes an entrance. He terrifies the shit out of criminals. He busts through the walls he busts through the ceiling. He, you know, he leaves a path That's, of destruction. Yeah, yeah, busting through walls and ceiling. Hold we up, didn't hold really, up. we didn't really get that in this in this Batman, and that really, that really bothered me because I felt like that's what separates him from a guy in a suit just beating up criminals versus the symbol of fear. And again, 
you know, this is year one and two. So these are this is supposed to be like the origin story. I think Batman Begins did it so much better. Um, and, and it paid off in, in dividends in the later films. So that that part and I would I would just say again, like, I don't think. You know, I think Robert Pattinson just needed more levity in in this character, and and maybe we'll see that. And I've said like, you know, if we see uh, movie two, and they shoot it differently, where it's where it has that, I think that will really make the first one that much more valuable. Oh, oh my God! All right. Um, okay. So <laughs> you can't deny that even Ben Affleck's no, Batman had no. that too. Ben like, Affleck's hold on, but 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 and you you said it and you outed yourself like two or three times during that when you said this is year one and two Batman and you're hundred percent right and that's like the answer to about seventy five percent of the things that you had criticisms on. Ben Affleck's Batman is twenty years in. He can bust through walls, grab people who have flamethrowers, he can bust up through the ceiling, like in the warehouse scene, and take out those fucking like twenty five trained Russian like soldiers with like who, who are in the kgb's unit right kg beast you know he's a he's a he's a prominent a lot of people forget kg beast was in batman versus superman but but he was a prominent villain in you know batman and dc's universe so he, he took out that unit and took them out um and eventually got kg beast who was holding martha martha kent um you know under un, under caption of you know who they, they were supposed to kill her but but anyway so in in and I get what what you're saying about Nolan's Batman, and he is more grounded. And I get that warehouse scene, but this young iteration of Batman, he's telling a story. He Pattinson's Batman uses fear as a tool. It's it's the first fucking scene um, after uh, you know the the Riddler kills that the mayor candidate, where they're talking about the bat symbol. You know about it. You know there were there were three different spots you thought Batman was going to show up to stop crime in the the opening scene of the Batman. And then he chooses the, the group of like clown painted thugs who are, um, chasing that, that one guy through the subway and about ready to kill him or beat him up or something. And then Batman shows up out of the shadows. And that was the whole point. He is fear out of the shadows. And this story, this origin story of going from anger, pissed off, you know, hi, you know, not knowing how to hide the anger behind the mask, like Ben Affleck's Batman does, like Christian Bale's Batman does. You know, he hides the anger behind the mask, and Bale's Batman kind of never, never goes from like, I mean, his, Bruce Wayne does. You know, he's 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 angry. He's he he's not Batman yet. He's angry. He's gonna go kill Carmen Falcone. You know, as Bruce Wayne, and they they kick him out, and then then Batman becomes a thing, but. You know, you, you you really never see that Batman from him who's super pissed, angry all the time and just wants vengeance to the hope symbol. Like Bale's Batman is like hope from the get go where Pattinson, when we started, he was fear. He was vengeance. He was anger. He couldn't hide it. Batman never cracked a smile. I mean, he he, he rarely does. And he was soft spoken and he, he was he was like a man of few words. And we didn't even mention how Pattinson's been the best detective that we've seen out of that's you know what that's true because and i've i've been saying this for years like i want a more detective like based batman i mean i think you need to have the best of both worlds though like why can't we have a a, like a really 
like you know a heavy detective story like where he's the world's greatest detective but he's also a fucking badass and i think there that's why i'm saying like i will leave room for for robert pattinson to be my favorite batman i will absolutely leave room for that i am not a fan i mean i'm not a fanboy like Batman is the thing I love more than anything. You put it pitted against anything that I'm passionate about. Batman is number one. And when you love something, you have to be able to criticize it because that's that's just you know part of it, or else it gets stale, right? Um, but you know, again, I think as time moves on, this this I think for me personally, I think I'll marinate in this a little bit more. I might feel differently. I could definitely see myself as of right now. I would say like you know. Um, I'm just being brutally honest and nitpicky because I'm like a Batman snob. Um, I love Batman. I will see this movie a thousand times and love every minute of it. But there's just some things that like I wanted that I didn't get. And I'm not going to say that we won't get it yet. But um, I don't know. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's not I think Robert Pattinson, you know, the role that he was given, he nailed it. He absolutely nailed it. This isn't the Batman that I want personally, but for what they did with it, it was it was different, and and he nailed it uh, really well. It's like the Batman. I mean, so again, you know, as time goes on, will will he turn more into like the Christian Bale or Ben Affleck, the seasoned Batman, where he uses his tools for fear, like he has more gadgets, and you know, I think if they do if they do a carbon copy of this movie again. I don't know if I'll really, I mean, obviously I'll fucking like it because it's Batman, but it's not going to be what I want. I think it should really build upon, you know, uh, you know, obviously the, what happened in this movie and, and move it forward in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, you actually made me rethink it at the end because when we started to talk about it and you talked about how, you know, in the beginning, you know, that guy that, uh, when he beats up the clown face thugs and the guy was really terrified of him. And he just kind of like walks away and it was like nothing to him. Um, how that changes at the end where, you know, he, the uh, I think it was like the lady who was running for mayor grabs his hand and he leads the people out of the the flooded building. Yes. Um, I think that was a really important scene. I really want to rewatch that scene just because I think maybe it, I didn't kind of fully process that at the moment. But. Yeah, and then th- also also think about a, a couple of seconds after that scene when Batman is all like muddied up and dirty, he's like looking up at a helicopter of like people he saved go away. Like that's like he's he's now the symbol of hope that Gotham needs. He went from being vengeance to hope in a matter of three hours through that movie, and I think it was done perfectly. Like he became Batman. You know, he he was Batman, but he was fear he was vengeance he was anger he was putting people in the hospital like remember when he shot himself with the adrenaline on top of the the jumbotron in the uh gotham square garden oh you know what beating the piss out of that dude i was gonna ask about that do you think that was adrenaline or something else because oh like bane's venom or something because i was reading online that some people were speculating that because he almost kind of loses himself after he he you know shoots himself uh with that so could that be titan like a a, or an early version of titan yeah yeah it it could be you know i could see this world where like wayne tech is trying to you know maybe bruce is trying to go to the next level and he's experimenting with things and then it gets in the wrong hands and 
we get a more comic accurate Bane than than Tom Hardy's. And and I don't have a problem with Tom Hardy's Bane. It was grounded in that universe, but I'd I'd like a much more comic accurate Bane. Oh yeah. We need yeah. that. We need yeah. that. And um one of the things that I I forgot to mention was Jeffrey Wright's Jim Gordon. I loved his performance and I think he's actually my favorite Jim Gordon thus far. And I, I really like the relationship that he and Batman had because they I mean, you've seen that in the past, but you we really haven't seen that, you know. Um, I mean, we saw that in Nolan's trilogy, but not like this. And I think that's really cool angle to put, you know, to kind of like to, to kind of focus on, you know. Yeah, um, I'm also looking forward to get more Andy Circus as as uh, Andy Circus yeah. as, as Alfred. Yeah, we really didn't get a lot of him, which was which was surprising because when I was watching the trailer, I thought they were going to play that up pretty heavily, but mm-hmm. we really didn't get a lot of him. So maybe uh, maybe moving forward, we will. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. And and there was a big scene with obviously Bruce almost experiencing loss again with Alfred's death. Um, when when he started to sound like Snoke in the hospital bed, <laughs> but uh, oh yeah, you know, him. yeah. And speaking of Snoke, like you know, how about that uh, you know, you left, you didn't see the uh, the end credit scene, but when if you stay, well, you probably won't want to stay for it. But when you watch it on HBO Max, like fast forward through the subtitles, you'll see that some of the film uh, was some of the film's effects was done by none none other than Lucasfilm. So we had a little that's, we had yeah. a little Star Wars in here. That's 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 pretty good. That's that's always nice, and I would welcome that. They they do a good job with that. Um, yeah, Courtney and I ended up sneaking back in the theater to, to see that final scene uh, after we went to the bathroom. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm going to see the Batman again today. I believe Kyle is as well. So it, it should be a good time. Um, but the, the, yeah, the, the transition to the hope of when Robert Pattinson's Batman and the Batman are leading those people through the flood, very zero year, by the way, leading them out with the flamethrower, or not the flamethrower, the flare. And this is after Batman, basically, you know, he's hanging on. By you know, by like a a a, a wire, he's he's hanging on by like a um, a downed power line that, if were to fall and land in the water, would probably kill a lot of people. But he cuts it and then falls and sacrifices himself. Gets rises out of the water. I think this is this is the 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 moment that um, Matt Reeves was getting at. He like rises out of the water, almost like he was rebaptized, and went and put his hand out to the the mayor elect and. The child and, and the mother pulled him out, lit the flare, and led them to safety. And then you see him helping people up, getting the helicopters and stuff. It's just, he went from vengeance to hope over the course of the movie, and I think the arc was done so well. To me, I, I, I'm sorry, I like Robert Pattinson's better than I, than I do Christian Bale's. And I think the Batman is better than the Dark Knight. For this particular top reason, outside of little nitpicky things that I could throw here or there, and I and I'm gonna do I'm gonna do it in 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 quotes. And this is this is the the hang up I cannot get over with the Dark Knight. But it's these two quotes. I'm going after Rachel and Alfred. Alfred, she was gonna be with me. She told me so. Like, come the fuck on, Bruce. Like, bat, you're you're fucking Batman. Like, this isn't Talia Al Ghul who you just fucked, and she and she basically, you know, uh. uh talked you into having a kid that she hid for you for 10 years that was trained as an assassin. But, you know, you never had like a deep relationship with her. You just, she was like a side piece. And then a cat woman, you and her get married in, in the comics. Then you, there, there's always that sexual tension and hype there. I was fine with Bale's Bruce going off with Anne Hathaway's Catwoman because it makes sense. But the Rachel Dawes thing, I just, fuck, I, I just, 
ah, that it's like, why did he like, it's, it's like a Jedi, you know, not, not having attachments, you know, he, you know, Batman could have Anakin Skywalker himself, you know, by having the attachment to this random character, this Rachel Dawes, who isn't canon to Batman. And I appreciate when people do certain things and, and insert their own, you know, take on the things. That's what makes movie, you know, you know, Snyder does it. Nolan does it. You know, uh, Reeves does it, and and Tim Burton does it. You know, all the great directors that we've had, and people who've written stories for Batman. Uh, it's just, it just didn't sit well with me for Bruce to have that kind of attachment, like to be in love with this. Just, I know a childhood friend, but maybe it's just because I don't like Maggie Gyllenhaal all that much. All right. So, like, what would you say is your most favorite scene from this film? From, from the Batman. Oh yeah. God! Uh, just just right off the top, of my head the whole, the whole Batmobile scene with the Penguin. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you can't deny that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, um, we should uh we should touch base on the Kenobi because we need to we need absolutely. to touch on that. And, uh, and we should definitely uh you know revisit the Batman next week when we when oh, we watch yeah. it a second time. Yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna be talking about this movie for for a long time. Um, so yeah, so we did get Kenobi. The Kenobi trailer dropped uh, today or uh, sometime during the week after the investor call um, with Disney. You know, and we had kind of had a feeling because the Entertainment Weekly dropped some pictures earlier in the day. And it's like, oh, the trailers are on the corner. So trailers about two and a half minutes maybe. I've watched it several times, and it's a phenomenal trailer. And my hair raises up every single time they do the Lucasfilm and Duel of the Fates starts. Like that, like that, that is the best part of that trailer. Um, we see a tattered and broken Obi Wan Kenobi. We see the Inquisitors. The Grand Inquisitor makes his live action debut along with the 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 fifth brother. Um, and there's a new Inquisitor. Uh, she's without helmet. She, her name is Reba or Reba, I believe. Um, one of those two, and she she looks pretty badass like with the red lightsaber. We see the Inquisitors hang someone. We don't know if that's a Jedi. We don't know if that's just a, a Jedi sympathizer who's hiding them. We see Uncle Owen in the trailer. We see a 10-year-old Luke. Um, we see what might be Cad Bane. I think, I didn't mention this on Jedi Talk, but that might be the one in the hallway where it's where they're looking down each other. It's it's Reva and somebody with a holding a gun that looks like Cad Bane's uh, blaster. But uh, I can't He's wait for Kenobi. Series. He's in yeah. it. I thought he I, I thought he was going to be too. So it's the real it's, question is, is Cal Kestis going to be in it? Yeah, that's the that's that's kind of people are starting to speculate because Cal's had a run in with the Inquisitors. And uh, Fortress Inquisitores, or in the Inquisitor Fortress, we see in the trailer, that's a rip right out of Fallen Order. Um, and this movie is, or I'm sorry, I might as well be a movie, but this limited series is set five years after Fallen Order. So Cal's very much still around with Seer and Grease and uh, Marin. So, um, hell, you know, there, there, there could be so many reasons why Obi-Wan Kenobi's going off planet like we see him in the show. I think it has something to do with him having to go to Leia um, to, to go tell Bail Organa something about the Inquisitors looking for Princess Leia. You know, we, we haven't seen any live-action Vader yet in the trailer, and, and I'm glad they didn't put it in the trailer. So, so much coming, so much to be desired of the 
Kenobi series. Um, uh, yeah, Kyle, any any last thoughts on that? Because we're, I know we're going to have so much more to talk about that coming in the future. Oh, Jesus. Well, firstly, let me say uh, it's about fucking time. Like, how long has this been in gestation? I mean, fuck. Oh, several years. Yeah. It's seriously like the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer of Star Wars, for fuck's sake. Yes. I it I was, honestly yeah. and I I texted I texted this to Brad. Uh, I honestly think this is gonna topple Mando. Like I really feel like this is not gonna be like your Boba Fett. Uh, this no. is gonna be yeah. this is gonna be next level. And I, I don't would, think they're I gonna do more than one season. But I mean that's just what my impression is. It's just gonna be kind of like a mic drop. Like yeah, that's that's my. Uh, that's my prediction. And um, speaking of Cal Kestis, uh, where the fuck is the lightsaber? I don't fucking know. My my next best guess, and I'm done predicting, is May 4th. They're, they're saving it for May 4th. I'm hoping they do an, a Master and an Apprentice release on May 4th, and then Cal gets released sometime before that. Uh, I, the Master and Apprentice box set would be Qui-Gon Jinn's lightsaber next to Obi-Wan Kenobi's lightsaber from the, the Kenobi series. So that's that's that with 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 kenobi and and the light and cal's lightsaber who the fuck knows i would love to see a, li- a live action cal i don't need it in kenobi you know i want jedi fallen order 2 to come out hopefully we'll get an announcement from that soon but um uh speaking of of you know star wars and and jedi talk i i don't know if we had the time left today but you know you've been teasing me definitely and i don't know if we mentioned on fourth mother box yet about you know a little Let's let's call it a ginger snaps, so to speak, from Kyle on one Brad Hughes. So I don't know if we had the time or if you want to tease it for next week. Oh, we have the time. All right. Uh, before we do that, we should we should definitely just uh, give people an update about D.C. Oh, yeah. Pitch. Yeah, we can do that. And you, you can end with that. So um, so D.C. this week did a very D.C. Warner Brothers move and they pushed Black Adam to October. They pushed Aquaman to like. Uh, sometime next year, it's before the summer, March, let's say March 2023. And then The Flash, the movie I was looking forward to the most after the Batman, got fucking pushed out to the the, the summer 2023. So at first, I was very upset and very pissed. I mean, they, they moved Shazam up to the end of this year, which I'm, I'm happy. I'm going to go see Shazam too. But that was on the lower of the list of priorities when it came to DC movies for me this year. So I got really upset at first, and I know Kyle did too. Like, why the fuck are they doing this? But then I just had, I, I started to think with an optimistic hat on, and I thought to myself, well, fuck, does the discover the, the merger discovery have anything to fucking do with this? Are they listening to the, the, the Snyderverse fans? Are they listening? Because the, we, we got them to release the Snyder cut of the movie. Do they not see the opportunity they have there to at least continue the Snyderverse or not kill off Ben Affleck's Batman? Um, and now there's the then a few days later the rumors are just swirling, they're swirling. I shared that picture that Snapchat or that Snap not of the other day from social media, and Grace Randolph is I believe a reputable, you know, insider and she she's broken some things before, but, you know, reportedly the merger discovery has a lot to do with these reshoots, um, specifically in the Flash, and they're going to continue on with the Snyder Bat flick. But, you know, Ben Affleck's Batman. And then I that just was saw the biggest, that yeah. was the biggest update by far. I could not believe that. I mean, that's that's the greatest news by far. It is. It is. And 
I just hope we get a Henry Cavill Superman in that movie as well. Or, or because Black Adam's going under reshoots as well, you never know who might get shoehorned into that Black Adam movie. So, I'm hoping you know, it's a mustacheless Henry Cavill. Yeah, uh, and I know we don't have a lot of time left, but I'll just say that uh, the Flash being put pushed back. I mean, this this movie is supposed to come out in 2019, mind you. It just yeah. boils my blood, but. You could kind of let it go a bit because you know this. This probably just means more good stuff will be in the in there, more mm-hmm. good stuff for the future. Hopefully, WB stops doing this shit and gets their act together. So, yep, they'll learn. All right, you want a ginger snaps on bread to end it out today? All right. Well, um, yeah. We'll we'll th- these will be my final thoughts. So, Ooh, I like it. Well, so why am I? I'm not ginger snapping, of course. I am. This is my grind my gears section. Okay, so I'm going to first give a shout out to the Jedi Talk podcast. It's a great podcast. Um, one of the things that I've been noticing as I've listened to each episode is that, oh gosh, there's a there's a guy by the name of Kyle that they keep referencing in a very negative light. And most of what they say is is completely untrue and and um, not really that well thought out. But being that I, I keep listening to each episode and I keep hearing it, I feel like I have to respond. And today, I know I've talked about Evan in the past couple of episodes, but today I'm going to focus on a one S. Bradley Hughes. I just learned that Bradley is his middle name, and I have no idea what the S stands for in his first name, but I'm just going to assume that it's Serena. Um, anyway, so the past few episodes, Brad has mentioned frequently that I do not add any real content or opinions when it comes to the fourth mother box. Well, that's just absurd and untrue, especially coming from a guy that basically just follows and laughs at everything Tom says the whole episode. I mean, what is that about? Well, and then, I am hilarious. Um, no, not really. Not really. And then like he's he's constantly laughing the entire time. I don't know if you noticed this, but he every time he laughs, it's such a disruption to the great content of Jedi Talk. And when he laughs, kind of sounds like a peacock being fucked in the ass. Okay, so have you ever heard a peacock what a peacock sounds like? It's the most annoying shit ever. And again, this is the guy that says, I have nothing relevant to say. Well, does any of the Jedi Talk fans really want to hear any of his opinions? I mean, no one really wanted to hear him talk as a comedian, and this isn't any different uh-huh. here. I mean, it's bad when you open up as a comedian for Amy Schumer and you are worse than Amy Schumer. I mean, even if you were trying to be worse than her, like you spent weeks, months, years even, this would be really hard to do. But Serena Bradley Hughes, he does that with ease. And let me remind everyone, this is the guy that was banned from the T-Rex restaurant at Disney Springs and Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. He was banned for sexually assaulting not just one of the dinosaur animatronics, but all of them collectively. I know we mentioned it was just a Triceratops, but it actually turns out that it was all of them. It was even found later on that some of the stuffed animals in the dinosaur were thoroughly molested. Yeah, there was there was a friendosaur in there that'll never recover from the incident. It was just so bad. So from your friend over here on the fourth mother box... My better help suggestion would be that you, sir, need seriously some serious help. <laughs> that has been Die Ginger Snaps. Follow us at Fourth Mother Box on Instagram. 
you've been great. We've been the fourth mother box. Have a good fucking day.